This week, my sinuses have been acting up, and I've been on a decongestant, and it has dried my mouth out so much that when I cough, only dust comes out. And um, <laughs> thank you. So I'm going to be drinking some water this morning. Now, I, I really want you to, we're going to start, this is going to take at least three Sundays to do, okay? So I want you to be patient with me, but I hope that you're going to get excited, not about the sermons I'm going to preach, but about what the Word of God is going to tell you and me, especially us men folks, okay? And men folks, I want to ask you a favor, okay? In every bulletin that was passed out today, there's this little half sheet, yellow, half sheet. What did I say? Yeah, yellow? All right. Well, whichever color it is, all right, it's, it's yellow to me. Um, and the purple one, okay? And, and let me quickly explain this, all right? I, I believe that you and I as men, we need to stand tall for the Lord. Would you agree with that? And the first thing we're going to say is, well, I've got so many failures and I've got so many weaknesses. Folks, I want to tell you, one of the most monumental figures in the Bible outside of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul is Abraham. And if you would, D, would you scroll up? Uh, I, I want to, uh, and it's, hold on just a second, y'all, a little bit of disorganization, but it's going to show the passages of Scripture where um, it's going to be on page four, that first frame. Please read Genesis 11. 26. Do you see that? Would you scroll forward to that, please? I'm sorry. This is a last-minute adjustment. And, men, I want to ask you something. I want to ask you to write these Scripture verses down. Now, I know coming to church, you voluntarily came today. If you're going to do anything outside of the church, it's going to be voluntary. I am not here trying to hit you over the head and demand that you read these passages of Scripture, but I, I pray that you will. Because I think as men, young men, and as boys, if we find out about the life of Abraham, it will strengthen us in our walk with the Lord. Because Abraham was a man of failure, but also he was a man of success. And I I know that you've heard of Abraham. I know that you know a lot of information about him. But I want to point out that these chapters in Genesis, Genesis chapter 11 26 through 25:10 tell about his life from the time that he was 75 years old until he died at the age of 175. But folks, I want to point out the five failures and the five successes. As you read about his life from chapter to chapter, it it goes from failures of Abraham to successes of Abraham. And, folks, I believe that describes our lives not only as men and young men and boys, but as believers, as Christians. And I want to ask the wives, listen, if your husband's not writing these down, would you write them down on your bulletin? And would you give it to him at the church and say, it might be helpful if you read these chapters of Scripture. But, again, this is a voluntary thing. And then read Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 19, which is a summary of Abraham's life and the impact he had on the world around him. And on the half sheet of paper, I want to challenge all of us 
Don't let your wife do this, all right? But I want to challenge all of us to write down our five greatest failures as a man, a husband, a father, grandfather, male figure, our five greatest successes as a father, grandfather, husband, male figure, and on the back side of that, and this is what's so important, five ways as a man I need to obey and trust God more. And, folks, the offertory hymn, you remember the words of the first stanza? Rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. Give heart and mind and soul and strength to serve the King of Kings. What a difference it will make in our world, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, at workplaces, and most especially in the church of God when you and I as men rise up and serve the King of Kings. And I just pray, and I'm doing this in a very humble way. I'm not saying I'm the best example, and I'm certainly no Abraham. I've got more than five failures, I can assure you that. But I want to just ask you to let God speak in the coming weeks through his word and through the life of Abraham. Let me pray, and then I want to read chapter 22, verses 1 through 8 of Genesis. Okay, let's pray together. Father, I thank you that we can gather in your house, and as we begin this study, Father, I pray that men and young men and boys will read the Word of God and find out about how you worked in this man's life named Abraham. God, I pray that each one of us as men would understand that you want to work in our lives too. And yes, all of us are full of flaws and weaknesses and often failure. But God, help us to see who we can become in you when we obey you and trust you and commit ourselves to living for you. Father, I cannot even motivate my own self to serve you in a greater way. And so I know that only you can work in my heart and in the hearts of the men and young men and boys in our church to lead us, Father, to stand up and be men of God and show the love of God and the mercy of God and the power of God in our lives. Please bless us, for we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Probably one of the most familiar passages of Scripture on the life of Abraham is chapter 22. Let me, I'm not going to try and talk a lot about these verses. I'm going to save this for the next two Sundays. But let me just read this, okay? Later on, and I'm reading out of the Living Bible, later on, God tested Abraham's faith and obedience. Have you ever had a test of your faith and your obedience to God? Abraham did. Abraham, God called. How did Abraham respond? Yes, Lord, he replied. And this is what God said. Take with you your son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I'll point out to you. Let me stop for just a second. And here's what's so monumental about this. For 25 years, Abraham waited for this son to be born. We're going to talk about this several times, okay? God called Abraham at the age of 75. You're going to hear that again. Isaac was born when Abraham was 100 years old. How much patience do we have with God? God will always do what he says he will do, but he will do it in his own time schedule, folks. 
Abraham got very frustrated over the years with God, and we're going to find that out, and you'll find it out as you read the passage of Scripture. But, folks, now God is asking Abraham to go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice his son on an altar. Would you be willing to give up your son or your, your daughter or your grandchild in obedience to God? And, folks, during this time of his life, Abraham's faith had grown. And he knew that he could trust God. Have we learned that as men that we can trust God? How much do we trust him with our hearts and with our lives and even with our minds? And, folks, it is amazing in verse 3 that after God told Abraham to do this, he does not argue with God. And, folks, I'll point out later on, there's a time in Abraham's life when he argued with God. But it says, the next morning he got up early, chopped wood for the fire upon the altar, settled his donkey, took with his with him his son Isaac and two young men who were his servants and started off to the place where God had told him to go. If you read these passages of Scripture that I've mentioned out of Genesis, you're going to find there were times when Abraham argued with God and would not do what God said to do. Have you ever had that experience? Probably yes. And there's probably something in our lives as Christian men and young men and boys that God is telling us to do right now, and we're arguing with him. I do. I'm not trying to stand up here and tell you a lie or tell you something that's not true. But, folks, Abraham had grown in his faith over those 25 years. But now listen to the demand of God. Folks, it's just a moving passage of Scripture. Back on point, verse 4. On the third day of the journey, Abraham saw the place in the distance. He says to the young lad, stay with the donkey. I and the lad, and folks, listen to this. I and the lad, this is verse 5, will travel yonder and worship and then come right back. And you don't fully understand this until you read the account of, of the summation of Abraham's life in Hebrews chapter 11, where the writer says that... Abraham believed that even if he slew his son on the altar, then God would bring him back to life again. Folks, that's a powerful faith, isn't it? Folks, there's an example here, a foreshadowing of the cross, where God would send his only son, whom he loved, and he would sacrifice him on a cross, but he'd come back to life again. Folks, God makes demands on us that we're going to follow him, but our faith should be such that we believe that whatever God instructs us to do, he'll take care of us. So Abraham places the wood for the burnt offering upon Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the knife and the flint for striking a fire. So the two of them went together. Father Isaac asked, we have the wood and the flint to make the fire, but where's the lamb for the sacrifice? Now, there's a couple of points here. First of all, Abraham had worshipped God before his son, and his son knew the routine of worship, the routine of sacrificing the lamb. Do our children and grandchildren see the worship of God in our daily lives, not just on Sunday, but in our daily lives as men? So he asked his father, where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham responds, God will see to it, my son. And they went on. 
Verse 9, when they arrived at the place where God had told Abraham to go, he built an altar, placed the wood in order, ready for the fire. Then he tied Isaac and laid him on the altar over the wood. And Abraham took the knife and lifted it to plunge it into his son to slay him. I can't imagine the faith in Abraham's heart. As he went to slay his son, the angel of God, and it is the Lord, the angel of God shouted to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And his response is, yes, Lord. Just as in verse 1, he said yes to the Lord. Folks, how long has it been since we said yes to our Lord when he's instructed us to do something? But Abraham is obedient. So in verse 12, God says, lay down the knife, don't hurt the lad in any way. The angel said, for I know that God is where? First in your life. First in your life. One of the reasons I wanted to read this out of the living Bible is because it puts it so plain. And and I have to keep asking myself, what in the order of priorities in my life is the Lord Jesus Christ. God had now been placed first in Abraham's life. And God said, you have not withheld even your beloved son from me. Then Abraham noticed a ram caught by the horns in a bush. So he took the ram and uh, sacrificed it instead of his son as a burnt offering on the altar. Abraham named the place Jehovah Provides. And many of us, you've heard the expression Yahweh Jireh or Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. Folks, he will. If we give him first place in our life. And men, I know we're living in a world where we think to be manly, to be, uh, to be beyond what we consider uh, Christian wimps, that if we really surrender ourselves to God, people are going to look down on us, and perhaps some people will. But let me tell you something. God will provide for us to shine above all those who are disclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. The writer says it still goes by that name today. Then the angel of God called again to Abraham from heaven. I, the Lord, have sworn by myself that because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your beloved son from me. Now, listen to this. This is what one man's obedience brought. I will bless you with incredible blessings and multiply your descendants into countless thousands and millions like the stars above you in the sky. And like the sands along the seashore, they will conquer their enemies and your offspring will be a blessing to all the nations of the earth All because, look at this last phrase, all because you have obeyed me. Fathers, grandfathers, husbands, young men, yet to be married, yet to be parents. Folks, think of the blessing that will be brought into your home and into your family if we obey the Lord God. Now, let me quickly set some things up. Let me just share some things with you, okay? Again, for the next three Sundays, I'd like for us to focus on the man Abraham in the Old Testament. Abraham's faith in and obedience to God have affected human history. Think about if you have had a strong, godly father, grandfather, male figure in your life. Think about the impact that man has had on your life. 
And folks, at the heart of the message of Christ is the story of how Abraham's faith in God led to the coming of Christ according to the plan of God. And you see, before creation, Christ had already volunteered to come redeem mankind. But God was going to call men to serve him to open the way for the coming of Christ. And Abraham did that. Folks, again, we see the promise of Christ coming in the life of Abraham. We see the promise of the cross and sacrifice of Jesus on the cross in Genesis 22. And folks, please understand the New Testament church knew the the impact that Abraham's life had had upon the coming of Christ. Listen to Matthew 1.1, where the beginning of the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ the son of David, and the son of who? Abraham. From the very beginning of the New Testament, it it dates back to Abraham's life and David's life as men who stood and obeyed God, and as a result, God was able to work through them and through their families. And folks, let me read a passage of Scripture to you out of John chapter 8. It's just three verses, John 8, 56, 57, and 58. And and in the context of this, they are accusing Jesus of being demon-possessed. And they're saying, we're children of Abraham. And listen to what Jesus says. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he was to see my day. He saw it, and he was glad. Now, let me stop right there for just a second. That sounds utterly ridiculous and stupid to those Jewish people. How could, and listen to verse 57. The Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Abraham lived thousands of years before Jesus came to this earth. But listen, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And the impact of this passage of Scripture, folks, is that Abraham was used of God to prepare the nation of Israel to know that a Redeemer was coming. And they should have known that Jesus was the promised one that is mentioned in Genesis 12. And by you, all the families of the earth shall bless themselves. Folks, what I'm building up to is this. We cannot underestimate the impact Abraham had on human history because he was obedient and faithful to God. And folks, here's a question that I want to ask all of us as men and young men and boys. And I ask this in a very humble way. Because you see, just because I am a preacher does not mean that I'm being faithful and obedient to God. You know, I can stand before you on a week-to-week basis and have some type of sermon prepared and make visits and try and impress you that I'm a minister of God. But folks, what counts most is not what I do before your eyes, but what I do before God eyes in in obedience and faith to him and so folks what i want us to ask ourselves as men and young men and boys do we underestimate the impact we can have on not only human history but on our families on our societies our churches because we are committed to becoming obedient and faithful men of god as men as men especially who profess faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, are we impacting our world? Are we making a difference? And I'm talking about not last year, not 10 years ago, but right this very moment. Are we making an impact on anyone's life? Did we make an impact on anyone's life this past week? 
And again, don't look at me as an example. Look at Abraham, okay? Are we impacting our marriages with love and faithfulness and with leadership? Are we impacting our homes and our families with love, leadership, strength, and protection? And I promise you, when I finish this, I'll close for this morning, okay? Have you ever seen the unity cross used now in some marriage ceremonies? In the last year, I have been involved in two weddings that made the unity cross a part of the ceremony. And let me explain to you what the unity cross represents. First of all, the groom is given a, a, a cross that's empty in the middle. And that cross given to the groom represents the strength and leadership and protection that he is supposed to bring into his marriage and into his home. And, and folks, this absolutely startled me. In reading the, the cross ceremony, the minister reads from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. And let me show you those two verses on, on the screen. Then God said, Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle. And over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You know what I thought that always meant? And this is partially true. And being created in the image of God, we are given... The freedom to make choices that have eternal significance. But folks, and and if you will, scroll back to verse 26 again, D. Thank you. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. What does that mean? God created man in his own image, which means God created man to be bold, strong, to be a leader, to be a protector of his wife and of his family. And I've never seen it that way before. Folks, when you think about who God is, and if you and I have been made in his image, folks, we should be bold and strong and leaders and protectors. And the New Testament goes even farther. Listen to what Ephesians 5.27 says. It reminds us as husbands that we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And that means totally and completely giving ourselves to our wives and to our families. I'd never seen it that way, folks. If you and I as men are made in the image of God, then we ought to be like God in many ways. Not again sinless and perfect except in Christ. But I've never seen it that way before. Let me give you the rest of the story about the unity cross. The bride has a piece of the unity cross that represents her beauty and the many capabilities of the woman. And it is placed in the center of the cross under the protection of the man. And folks, I know we're living in a different age and many women are, are more independent and many, and there's nothing wrong with that. And many women do not feel like they want their husband cowering over them. 
and, and they'll do a lot of things for themselves. But, folks, I want to tell you, this is how God designed it, okay? And it absolutely struck me this week in studying what the Word of God says. You and I as men have been created in the image of God. And there are certain qualities of God that He wants within us. Well, folks, this week, I hope and pray that not only the men, but everybody will read these passages of Scripture that we've mentioned. Dee, would you put that back up again? Uh, Genesis 11, 26, 25, 10, and Hebrews 11, 8 through 19. And folks, we're going to look in detail at some of this. But would you take these forms home that I've given you? Folks, look. Again, it is absolutely astounding. As you read about the life of Abraham... And only the Word of God would do this. The Word of God's not going to just build a man up. It's going to tell you everything about him. God knows everything about us. He knows our failures and our weaknesses, but he also knows the strengths that he wants to put in us. Rise up, O men of God. Be done with lesser things. Give heart and mind and soul and strength to serve the King of kings. God help us men. That we will. Let us pray. Father, Lord, the word of God would truly inspire us as men to stand up for you. To stand up as godly men and, and Lord, not be ashamed of our faith in Jesus Christ. And not be ashamed to be the leader and protector and provider in the home and in society. God, I pray that we would not let Satan hinder us from rising up and becoming the men that you want us to be. God, I pray that you'll help us to read the Word of God this coming week and weeks. And I pray that as we, in our own hearts and minds, allow the Word of God to speak to us, God, that you'll grow us into the men that you want us to be. Father, even in these moments of invitation, I pray that the Spirit of God might Speak heavy to all of our hearts, most especially our men. God, I'm not here to criticize or judge. Lord, I can't do that because I have so many weaknesses and so many failures myself. But I thank you that just as you used Abraham, you want to use us. And as Abraham said, yes, Lord, I pray that we'll say yes, Lord, to you. Lead us now, Lord, in these moments of decision. As the altar is open, Lord, I pray that if you're just laying on our hearts to come to the altar and pray as men and make new commitments to you, we'll do that. God, be honored in everything that's done. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn is number 434. I have decided to follow Jesus. The altar's open. May our hearts be open too.